Will, please turn in your Bible to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Thank you, Debbie, for playing for us this morning a couple of times there. And thank you, Pastor, for the honor to be here at Marlbrook. There is a great spirit here, and uh, it's, just, it's always a joy to visit. I think, uh, I, in my, according to my records, I've only been here twice. Pastor said I was here five years ago, and I remember being here, but I don't have it in my records, and that really unnerves me, okay? Uh, I try to keep meticulous records, but anyway, this, this would mean, that would mean this is our fourth visit here uh, for one reason or another, and we're just delighted to be here, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your participation in our ministry since probably right after we were here in, in 2007. So 15 years, perhaps, you have supported our work, and what you saw is, is fruit for your investment, and we thank the Lord for churches like you that, that choose to partner with us. It's a very humbling thing for God to use us in a work like Bible translation. And I'm not a linguist. I'm not a, a biblical languages expert. I do know a little Greek. He runs a dry cleaners in my town. Uh, just kidding. Uh, I do know a little Greek and a, and, a, and a wee bit of Hebrew. But God has given us some wonderful people that are just skilled with all of those things, gifted in such ways that we are, we, we are confident that we can produce good translations of the Word of God and do it with a conservative translation philosophy from the right text of Scripture. And we thank God for allowing us to do that. I'm excited about this service wrapping up your, your missions month. And it sounds like you've had a very full month. And so uh, we're wrapping it up this morning. And Pastor said, you can take a little extra time because we're not having an evening service. The only problem with that is you're looking forward to the food. <laughs> and if I take too much extra time, I'm afraid you'll just walk out on me and head for the food. So we'll try to keep it to a normal time and, and get out of here uh, in a timely way this morning. Psalm 67 in your Bible. I'd like to pause here and pray, and then I will read this psalm, all seven verses of it, and we'll look at it together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege to be here today. Thank you for the gathering of your people. What a wonderful thing to witness on a beautiful Sunday morning as your people gather to fellowship to encourage one another and exhort one another, as we learn in the Scripture. And we gather here to worship you, for you alone are worthy of our worship. And we gather around your Word, because your Word teaches us who you are and equips us to be worshipers. We ask you to draw us to yourself this morning through the power of this psalm. May it speak to us like it never has before, and I pray for your help and your spirit's fullness for both preacher and listener. In Jesus' name, <clears throat> amen. God be merciful unto us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, Selah, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. O oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. <coughs> all the ends of the earth shall fear him. God is on a mission. I want you to see this uh, this phrase on the screen, and I'd be happy if you wrote it down or memorized it, or in this modern age, you can snap a picture of it real fast. But I really wish you would remember this phrase God is on a mission. 
to reveal His glory and extend His grace to every kindred, tribe, and tongue. This is the work of God right here on the screen you're looking at this morning. If I were to summarize the whole Bible in one sentence, that's my summary. Because I, I believe from the beginning of time, and I'll illustrate it uh, in a little bit in a few minutes, but from the beginning of time, God has been on a mission. He's been on a quest for everyone to know who He is, to reveal Himself to this earth and His glory. Uh, then the second part of His mission it's, it's really just one thing, although it's described in two different ways. He also is, is extending His grace to every kindred, tribe, and tongue. And someday we're going to stand at the throne of God, and we're going to worship our God with people from every kindred, tribe, and tongue. The Psalms we are given, songs, are wonderful songs that exalt the mission of God. And so many of these Psalms have a very unique way of connecting the mission of God to our normal everyday lives. Psalm 46 is a great one of those. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. I think perhaps Psalm 67 uh, encapsulates the mission of God maybe better than any other psalm in the entire book of songs. It is a missionary psalm. It shows us how this mission of God works out in my life. How does this mission of God to reveal His glory and extend His grace to every kindred, tribe, and tongue, how does this play out in my life? Now, you could say, well, I'm not going to be a missionary, so I don't know how I can be a part of the mission of God. I'm not a preacher, so I don't know how I can propagate the glory of God and, and, and extend the grace of God. I believe Psalm 67 puts this down into our everyday life, and it is such an important, vital psalm that it should shape our passions, it should shape our priorities, it should direct the way we live our lives. What we're investing in, what we're, what we're spending our time with, it should not just affect my life, but it should set the course for my life. The psalm is very simple, and I'm going to put the truth of this psalm, all seven verses, in one sentence. And then I'm going to break that sentence down into three main points this morning. Look at the screen again and you'll see this phrase, God blesses His people for the sake of His name or His glory among all nations. That's what this psalm is about. God blesses His people for the sake of His name among all the nations, among all the peoples. So let's break that down into three main thoughts. Are you ready for them this morning? Number one, God blesses His people. I love verse 1 of this psalm, and this is really a quote. Uh, this is a quote from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26, where the Bible says there, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So Numbers 6, 20, uh, 24 through 26 is considered we call the Aaronic blessing. Aaron, Moses' brother, pronounced this upon the children of Israel. It really is a prayer of blessing upon the people. And that blessing is being repeated here that God would be merciful unto us. And I want to point out three key terms here. God would be merciful to us, that God would bless us, and He would cause His face to shine upon us. The word bless here is the same as the word gracious in Numbers. So let me break these three thoughts down. Brother Tilly mentioned it in Sunday school briefly this morning, but mercy is receiving, I'm sorry, not receiving what you deserve, right? 
It is God withholding the just punishment for our sin. We were born under the condemnation of sin, and if we got what we deserved, we would spend eternity in hell. Amen right there? Thank God for His mercy. And this is a very bold prayer by the psalmist here, asking that God show us mercy. In other words, would you please not give me the just punishment that I deserve for my sin? I was driving across uh, Texas, headed into Dallas on Interstate 30 uh, some time ago. And I, I, was, uh, I was driving along and I looked in my rearview mirror, mirror and I saw blue flashing lights. <clears throat> and it's none of your business whether I have ever seen them before. <laughs> it's none of your business why I got pulled over. But I saw the blue flashing lights and I obediently pulled over to the side and the officer came up to my window and he asked for my driver's license and insurance card, registration, all that. I, I gave it to him and he said, uh, you were speeding. I said, yes, sir, I know I was going a little too fast. He said, I'll be right back. He went back to his car and you know what that means, right? You sit there for six days, three hours and 45 minutes <laughs> waiting for him to come back with that ticket written out and, and find out your punishment, right? How much money is this one going to cost me? He came back to the window, handed me my identification and, and, and everything, and he said, I'm going to let you off with a warning. That was mercy. It really was. That was mercy. But there's, there's more to this because this says, God, be merciful unto us and bless us. That's the same as the word grace in Numbers chapter 6. So mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's not something you earned. It's something you're given by God. God giving me what I do not deserve. Not only please don't condemn me to hell, but please give me what I don't deserve. Now, would you, would you think about it just for a moment how presumptuous this request is? God, give me stuff. Give me favor, give me forgiveness, give me freedom, give me joy, give me peace. Give me all this stuff in the blessed Christian life that I don't deserve to have. Now the prayer for mercy and the prayer for grace and the third one as well, we'll look at in a moment, would be a, an extremely presumptuous prayer without our knowledge of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary to make mercy and grace a possibility. The third phrase here is cause his face to shine upon us shine upon us. I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain a shining face, but I can tell you that a shining face is the opposite of an angry or scowling face. Maybe you've been the recipient at some point in your life in a relationship with somebody who was angry with you, and, and they turned toward you and looked at you with an angry scowl, and your thought was not, oh, look, their face is shining toward me. Your thought was, oh, no, I'm in big trouble right here. But this psalmist is saying, Lord, don't give me what I deserve. Give me what I don't deserve. And would you look at me with loving favor that makes me feel like I'm very close to you and very loved by you? Isn't that a powerful thought? Isn't that a very bold prayer? Would you let me be in this intimate, personal relationship with you? Would you let me be close to you? Would you give me the feeling by the way you look at me that you love me? and you want to be close to me, and that you, you are drawing me to yourself. It implies the favor of a friend, and uh, it implies favor, and it implies the friendliness of a warm personal relationship. Maybe you've said to someone before, may the light of God's face be with you. I, I've prayed this prayer over our daughter many times. 
God, be merciful. God, be, be gracious. God, shine your face upon our daughter as she grows up and learns to live for you and learns to serve you. And, and we ought to pray this for our, our spouses, our children, and our families. But can I tell you that knowing the mercy and the grace of God and the shining face of God is the foundation of all blessings. Because without God and His favor in our lives, everything is hollow and empty and worthless. Everything is a dangerous deception and a snare that will ruin our lives. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you don't know the mercy and grace of God this morning, and you've never experienced this warm, loving face of God upon your life in a relationship of salvation and forgiveness and an eternal home in heaven, you can come to know this God this morning. There's a second part of this. And by the way, what we just did is the last word of verse 1, and it's also found later at the end of verse uh, 4, is the word selah. You've probably heard the definition of that. It means stop and think about that. Meditate on that. I used to, I, I heard two or three different times in person uh, John Phillips preach, who is the author of the Bible commentary series, and he had a British accent. He's in heaven now. But when he was preaching from Psalm 24 and he came to the word Selah, he said, the word Selah means, now there, what do you think of that? <laughs> what do you think of verse 1? Isn't this marvelous? That you can know the mercy of God and that he can, he can give you things you don't deserve to have and that God can look at you with loving favor. You're born under sinful condemnation. You don't deserve his loving favor. I don't deserve his loving favor, but isn't it a wonderful thing to think about and know that he can give us these things on the basis of his own son's sacrifice, but the psalmist is praying for these things. Do you want, can I ask you this morning, do you want the mercy of God? Do you want the grace of God in your life? Do you want the love that emanates from his shining face, his smile upon your life? We all do, don't we? There's a second part to this psalm. God blesses his people, number two, for the sake of his name or for the sake of his glory. The most important word in this psalm is the first word of verse two. Would you look at it? <clears throat> verse one says, God be merciful to us, bless us, shine your face upon us. Verse two, that thy way may be known upon earth and thy saving health among all nations. The most important word of this psalm is the word that, because here's what it does. It reveals to us that there is a reason behind verse 1. There is a purpose for verse 1. Evidently, God blesses his people, so something else will happen. And verse 2 makes it very clear that when God blesses his people and gives us his mercy and grace, then the nations can come to know the saving health of our God. They can know him like we know him, and they can praise his name like we praise his name. God blesses his people so the people who don't know him might hear the gospel and be saved. Do you see it in that verse right there? The psalmist is expressing an intense desire for God to be praised by all peoples. Look at verse 3. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. That verse is repeated identically in verse 5. And the psalmist is expressing this powerful desire of his heart. You've given me your mercy and your grace and your blessing and I all the people of this earth to know your mercy and your grace and your blessing and your shining face. You know, there are over 17,000 people groups, ethnic groups in this world today. 
from the north to the south to the east to the west, the rich, the poor, the old, the young, every tribe and caste and, and strata of society, every one of them need to know who God is. And God's relationship with us, do you consider yourself God's people this morning? God's blessing on his people, listen to me, has always been for the purpose of glorifying his name so more people will come to know him. It's the theme of the Bible. I said earlier, I'll illustrate it. So Psalm 67, 1 and 2, the, the principles here are found all over the scripture. If we went back to Genesis chapter 1, we would see that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And Genesis 1, 26 says he made man in his own image. You know what that is? According to Psalm 19.1, that's the heavens declaring the glory of God and the firmament showing, showing His handiwork, and that's God's grace extended to a people that He made for Himself so they could love Him and fellowship with Him and worship with Him, worship Him, and, and, he, and he could shine His face on them. That's the mercy, I'm sorry, that's the, the glory and the grace of God being revealed on this mission that God is carrying out. If we jump to Genesis 12, chapter 12, we find Abraham being called out of Ur of the Chaldees, and Abraham was told, uh, I'll, I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curse you. And listen to it, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. There's nothing in Genesis 12 that, that specifically calls out Abraham for the purpose of just doing good stuff for Abraham. No, God chose Abraham out so God could do good stuff through Abraham for all the nations of the world. We could go all the way through the Bible, but in Exodus chapter 9, when Moses is being told to go back to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go so they can serve me. Do you know that in those verses of Scripture, God said to Moses, you tell Pharaoh to let my people go, and you tell him the plagues are coming so that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. You know what God was doing in the exodus of his people? He was showing himself great and strong and mighty, and he used that all the way through the Bible as as, as a token of his, his power when he said, I brought you out by my right arm. I lifted you out by my hand. It's all about the power of God being displayed, the glory of God being displayed in this world. And he wanted the nations of the world to be talking about who he is. You remember when the children of Israel went into uh, Jericho? The spies went into Jericho? And they met with Rahab the harlot? And she said, oh, we heard about your God. Is there any way me and my family can be saved? That was exactly God's intention. He wanted to bring Israel out, revealing his glory and grace to his own people so that the nations of the world would hear about this great God and want to know him as well. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, God gave the law, and the reason for the law is given in these verses right here, and it says, so that you will show, and I'm not quoting exactly, but so you can show the goodness and the wisdom of God in the sight of the nations. I wish you would read your, as you read your Bible, you would mark every time you see the nations, all the peoples, all the earth, because it's always referring to the mission of God. Daniel chapter 3, if I were to ask you why the three Hebrew children were put in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you would say probably they were put in the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow to the, to the idol. Well, that's true on the surface. But you remember what happened when they were put in the fire and the king saw the fourth man in the fire? And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 29, Nebuchadnezzar says, Therefore I make a decree, listen to this decree from Babylon, that every people, nation, and language 
which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there's no other God that can deliver after this sort. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go in the fire, and, and thank God for their faith, right? We've preached on that a lot. Our God will deliver us, but if He doesn't, we're still not. But God did deliver them, and through their fiery trial, literally, God showed Himself to the nations of the world. Why was Daniel put in the lion's den? Well, he was put in there because he refused to stop praying. They made a decree you couldn't pray, and he prayed anyway. No, because when Daniel was, was brought out of the lion's den, after God shut the mouth of the lions, King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. God wanted King Darius to send out word all over the nations that God is God, and he is to be worshipped. Psalm 23, we read this or quote this, at most every funeral we ever, we ever see conducted, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his, he restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness, say it with me, for his name's sake. Oh, wait a minute, I thought God was just taking care of my life. He is taking care of your life. There's a reason he's taking care of your life. It's for his name's sake. It's for his glory the propagation of His glory. And we could look at hundreds of other places in the Scripture. You know that in John chapter 1, in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 of John 1 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. You know, Jesus coming to this earth is the perfect, the perfect picture of the revelation of God's glory and the extension of God's grace. Jesus came to this earth, number one, to fulfill, I'm sorry, to reveal the glory of God, and number two, to die for our sins and extend to us the grace of God. What's the mission of God? Remember, reveal His glory, extend His grace. Jesus is the perfect picture of that. And you know something? We're part of this. Because we're told in John 20, 21, that we have been sent into this world just like Jesus was sent into this world. We're told in, in uh, Mark uh, 16 that we're to go to every creature. We're told in Matthew 28, 19 that we're to go to every nation. We're told in Luke 24, 47 that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. And we're told in Acts 1, 8 that we will be witnesses to, other, to the uttermost parts of the earth because the Spirit of God will empower us for it. We're part of the mission of God. And I want you, I want you to get this. Everything God does in our life has a purpose. And that purpose has to do with the revelation of His glory and the extending of His grace to every nation on the face of the earth. Primary reason for everything God does is to glorify Himself and extend His grace to all mankind. I, was sit, I sat down here for Sunday school this morning and I saw all the glory, all the praise, and then behind me I saw by His grace, for His glory. That's the summary of my sermon this morning, isn't it? By the grace of God, for my benefit, for my health, for my good life, my happy, satisfied life on this earth. No, by His grace, for His glory. Part number three, God blesses His people 
for the sake of his name among all peoples or among all nations. Verse 3 and verse 5, I read a moment ago, let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Now the question is, <clears throat> if God is blessing us for his own sake, how is that going to play out in this world? Do I just sit here and revel in his blessings? Do, do, do I just sit still and let God do whatever he wants to do? There's two things here I want you to see. Number one, look with me at verse 4, and let's read that verse again together. Or you, you listen as I read it. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth, Selah. Verse 6, then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and verse 7, all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Here's the question. How will the nations of the world get to see the glory of God and experience the grace of God by what's going on in verses 1 and 2? Number one is the power of God's work in his people. God's work in his people. Verse 4, when it says he judges righteously and he governs the nations, it is strictly referring to God's activity in the lives of his people. How God works in your life is supposed to provide a picture, an example of what God can do in the life of a sinful human being who has found the mercy and the grace of God and who lives with the shining face of God. Our life is to be a picture of God's work in a sinful human being so the rest of this world can say, I want what you have. I want to know the God that you know. God is displaying his glory through you. So he can be praised by the people around you. When they observe God's blessing on us and they can see what God does through us and for us and with us, and, and, and we just went through that with all these stories about, about uh, God's glory and grace throughout the Bible, but their observation of God's work in our lives will be the ultimate answer to the question or to the prayer for God to bless us in verse 1. John Stott said, If only Aaron's blessing would come true. If only God's mercy were granted to, to us. If only God would bless us and the light of his smile would be on us. Surely then the nations would see for themselves. The nations would have visual proof of the existence and activity and grace of God. And the nations could come to know his way and his salvation and experience themselves that God rules righteously and governs his people kindly. You know, the world is watching us today, aren't they? They're looking for something to live for. Brother Tilly's message this morning, I enjoyed all of it. But he, he started out by saying God's doing a work in this world. And there are people who are looking for the truth. There are people who have hungry, searching hearts. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if there was somebody on your street that was searching for God and they couldn't see him in you? Verse 4 also ends with the word Selah. What is verse 4 talking about again? Let me remind you. It's talking about the way God works in your life to reveal his glory and extend his grace to the people around you. And the last word says, now there, what do you think of that? Can you look back through your life and see how God's worked? Can you see how God brought you to himself through the testimony of a friend 
or the witness or the, the, the a message a pastor preached when you visited a church and you see how God directed your life. He put you in a Christian home perhaps or He allowed you to go to a Christian school and God has just ordered your steps all the way through and you can look back and you can think about God's work in your life and the kind of model He has made of your life so people will know who He is. That's what the psalm's all about. The world is asking, what difference has He made for you? Uh, they say, where is their God? Uh, where's the evidence of their God? And I wonder if the greatest hindrance to world evangelism would be the failure of God's people to evidence the work of God, to let Him be seen through us. The average Christian today <clears throat> has prayed many times for the blessing of God. Have you ever prayed verse 1? I don't mean with these exact words, but I would, I would be willing to bet good money. Well, I'm not a betting man, but I'd be willing to wager good money that you have asked God to bless your life, haven't you? God bless my, my family. God bless my home. God bless my finances. God bless my job. Help me to do a good job. Help me to, to prosper in this life. You've asked for God's blessings over and over and over. You, you may do it every time you pray. But have you ever said, God bless me so my neighbors will know who you are? Have you ever tied that together? Have you ever said, God bless me and my family so that my lost parents will come to Christ? God, would you give me your mercy and your grace and your shining face? Because I have relatives that don't know you. And I want them to see you in me. That's what this psalm is all about. How is the mission of God being carried out in this world? It is being carried out through the lives of His own people who He blesses for the sake of His glory so they will come to Him and experience His saving health as it gives us in verse 2. Are we aware of our role and responsibility? Are we aware that this is what God wants to do through us? Is this our prayer? that God would work through us. He wants to work through our victories so people can see Him. He wants to work through our sorrows and trials so people will glorify Him. And, and He wants to be seen at work in our lives so they will come to know Him. William Benny is quoted in Charles Spurgeon's Treasury of David following his commentary on, the, on Psalm uh, 67. He quotes from a different author. And here's what William Benny said. He said, the people of God, and he's speaking of what ought to be the normal experience of the people of God, the people of God long to see all the nations participating in their privileges, visited with God's salvation and gladdened with the gladness of His nation, and, and they long to hear all the, the peoples giving thanks to the Lord and hallowing His name, and to see the face of the whole earth which sin has darkened for so long, smiling with the brightness of His glory. This is not, listen to this, just a sentiment. This is expressed so as to connect with it the thought of duty and responsibility. The power of God's work in us. Very quickly, the power of God's word through us. You know what this means? This means if God wants to be seen in our lives so that all the nations will come to him, not all of us can live in this county. Somebody's got to go where there is no Christian for God to be displayed through. Does that make sense? Some of us have to go to the ends of the earth. 
Some of us have to go where they haven't heard yet. So not only God's work in us, but God's word through us. We have unintentionally probably, I'll, I'll, I'll say that, unintentionally created a false dichotomy between two groups. We have, we have the goer group. This is the missions, missionaries who go. We call them the goers. And these are the ones who are specially gifted and called and equipped and qualified. And, and these people can eat grub worms on, in Papua New Guinea, and, and it doesn't bother them. And, and they can sleep in a, uh, on, on the ground. I mean, they can hike through Cameroon, Africa for three weeks with nothing but a backpack and one change of clothes. I mean, these are people that are just unique, right? And, and they have the special call of God on their life, so they go with the gospel. And we have this other group over here, <clears throat> and we're the senders. God didn't call us, and uh, grub worms are not our thing. And Holiday Inn Express is pretty nice, right? And, and we don't have this call of God, and we don't have those giftings and not equipped like these people are. So we got the goers and the senders over here who say, God bless you as you go, and I'll give you funds to support your work, and I'll pray for you as you go. And here's the unintentional consequence. Those are the people God works through. I get to choose what I do with my own life. No, 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 no. You don't get to choose what you do with your life. If you know God... He wants to shine his mercy and grace and, and his shining face in your life so the people around you will know who he is. Are you with me? That means if you're working on a construction site, God will work through your life. You are a missionary. If you work in an office, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or, or uh, whatever your occupation is, you are in the place you are because God wants to be seen through you. If we're not careful, we make us the center of God's universe, but we're not the center of God's universe. God is the center of his universe. Here's the, here's the temptation, and this is my challenge. You'll see it on the screen right here. Do not disconnect God's blessing on your life from his purpose for your life. Do not ever be guilty of saying, oh, thank you, God, for what you just gave me. Go away and enjoy it. Wait a minute. Go back right here. God, thank you for what you just gave me. Thank you for what you just did in my life. Now, how do you intend to use that to help bring people to yourself? Do you know the car you drive and the provision of your vehicle is for God to use you in some way to propagate his glory and extend his grace? Do you know that the house you own and you get to live in, God gave you for the purpose of working through your life so people can see God at work in you? Everything you have and everything you are is the blessing of God for his name's sake, for the, for the sake so, so that all the nations will hear. Are you with me this morning? Don't disconnect what God does with you and in you from what he wants to do through you. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Psalm 67 should alter our life. It should change everything in our life. Our passions, our pursuits, our priorities, our goals, our stewardship. It ought to change everything in our church. No more routine programs, but our church ought to be dominated by a passionate pursuit of God's glory among the nations. God, how are you using me? How are you using our church to propagate your glory among the nations? Our Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for this most powerful psalm that encapsulates the mission of God in a way that makes it so clear as to how it relates to our normal
everyday life. I pray that you've spoken to our hearts and I pray that we'll respond. Lord, perhaps through this message you put your finger on some place in our life that we have taken for granted, that we have consumed for our own self-interest, and we really have given no regard as to whether or not you have a desire to use that for your glory. May we yield all those things to you. May we yield ourselves to your work. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's stand, please, heads bowed and eyes closed, and the pianist will begin to play. just want to give you a chance to do some business with the Lord at the altar this morning. If he spoke to you, you want to find a place and pray, please do. Commit something to him that he, that he spoke to you about this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know this God of mercy and grace, please come and let somebody take a Bible and show you how to know Jesus this morning.